at the same time, Nate is going to hopefully follow me along here uh, with the slides as we go. It's living in two ages at the same time, the present age and the age to come. And he explained to us the age to come begins for us when we put our faith, when we believe in Jesus Christ for ourselves. And one day we will live in the age to come completely when this world ends. But for now, as Christians, we live in this present age and we live in the age to come because we're believers in Jesus at the same time. And he was teaching us how the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. And this morning I thought we'd look a bit more in depth as to how we can practically live in two ages at the same time. How do we navigate uh, um, in our unique circumstances that each of us face are different for each of our lives day by day? How do we navigate the office party and seek to live a godly life? How do we manage to go on the end of school holiday and not isolate ourselves from school friends? How do we deal with the pressures of work, maybe to falsify accounts or information while trying to follow Jesus every day? God's word tells us and with real life examples. And Daniel is someone we can learn a lot from about living in the present age and living in the age to come at the same time. Daniel, who worshipped God and loved God, now found himself away from Jerusalem, from his home in Babylon. And he had to work out how was he going to live for God in this strange land, taken from where he grew up and everything he was used to. Babylon was a pagan city. For us, it's like living in the present age. That's what it would compare to. Well, here's how. Daniel was going to need God's wisdom. Daniel needed God's wisdom badly now that he had arrived in Babylon. And he was a man who adapted to the culture of Babylon, although he wasn't from Babylon, he was from Jerusalem. So there were aspects of life in Babylon that he couldn't practice or live out. He was a Hebrew, he ate different food, his culture was different. There was so much to miss, wasn't there, about Jerusalem. The language, the culture, his friends, the restaurants he went to, the food they ate, and of course, all those Jewish festivals. He missed being able to practice his faith to God and worship God in the temple like he was used to doing. This was so much a different city to Jerusalem. It was a modern, vibrant city and the next slide, I just got to try and remember the extent of the size of the city it was. Oh, yeah, I put that one up just to show us the distance uh, Daniel had come. Now, if we were going to do it today, it seems to me Google Maps would tell us it would take us 235 hours to walk from Babylon to Jerusalem. So it probably took Daniel similar uh, time. It's quite a trek. He was a long, long way from home. It wasn't a quick decision to run back home at the weekend, and he wouldn't have been left anyway and the next slide just shows it was a major city jerusalem was nothing as big as this in that time at all so nebuchadnezzar um, babylon was effectively the capital of the known world at that time it was a major city with a lot of buzz and a lot of stuff going on uh, and it, it really from there the, the the world was ruled how had daniel got to babylon well in 612 bc nebuchadnezzar Nezer beat the Assyrians 
and in 605 BC he beat the Egyptians and having defeated these two other major superpowers at that time, he turned his attention to the, attention to the little city of Jerusalem as he would have seen it and these strange Hebrew people and he captured them. And he took some of the finest people from wherever he went to bring them back to Babylon. And they were to be trained for three years. Nebuchadnezzar was ruthless, but he was clever. And so that's why he took the best of the crop, the best of the young people from the land he captured and trained them in his ways so they would become insiders. They would help him keep his growing empire under control. You know, Daniel was from Jerusalem. Maybe he might help keep things at peace there. Um, he believed he could own people and influence them for his own ends. Now imagine the initial shock for Daniel and his friends. How were they going to live here in this strange land? How were they going to continue to practice their faith in God in this idol-worshipping culture? Should they adapt to the new culture completely and just go along with it for, for just to keep the peace? Daniel had to learn and work out for himself how he was going to live in two ages at the same time. But remember when Daniel came to Babylon, he was only young. The Bible, if you, if you work it out, he was probably between the ages of 14 and 19. So we'll give him a late, you know, a late teenager, maybe 17, 18. He was a young man when he came there. This was a big decision away from everybody he knew. At home, he could practice his faith. In, in Babylon, he was an outsider. He was different. He was isolated and confused. One day, we know he was going to face lions. But in reality, right now, for Daniel in these early days, he faced lions every day as he sought to live for God in Babylon, as Babylon told him to conform to its way of living. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, as we live in the world today? Daniel would have had that natural human desire just to fit in. This would have been the easy thing to do. There was lots to love about the city anyway. There really was. It was so much more exciting and vibrant than where he had come from. And it would have been easier just to adapt and get on with it and please the king. It would have been much easier. This was going to test his character and his faith. Would he compromise his faith? Would he go against the flow? Would he leave behind what he knew and just be shaped by the city and fit in instead? So he had two choices. He had the path of assimilation, the desire to fit in, or he could choose the path of isolation and retreat. Stay away from these people. Don't get involved. That's what the Israelites often chose, the path of isolation and retreat. And so we read in Psalm 127 that, song made famous by Boney M, by the rivers of Babylon. We sat and wept when we remembered Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Let's retreat and isolate, they thought. The temptation for them was to separate. We can't sing to God in this land. Christians throughout history have chosen this route too. We're not unlike Daniel today as followers of Jesus Christ. When we're seeking to live for him, in the age to come while living for him in this age as well. We face the temptation to simply fit in, to go along. Um, but we've got to live a parallel life to Jesus at the same time. And it isn't easy. 
So how did Daniel navigate and work it out for himself? And we know he did. Daniel is a wonderful example for us to follow in our lives as a person who lived for God. Because the Bible records he successfully lived both ages, the present age and the age to come, from these early teenage years until the end of his life, probably when he was 85 or 90 years old. He never, never compromised on his faith and his loyalty and his love for God. You see, God had a plan for Daniel's life, as he has for every one of us here this morning. And actually, God's plan was not for him to assimilate or to isolate and separate. This is not what God wants us to do either. Maybe Daniel had read what Jeremiah said in a letter to the exiles in Babylon. In Jeremiah 29, 4-7, we read, this is Jeremiah's instruction, his advice to those in exile. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. It's part of God's plan. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So God was saying to these people, don't retreat, don't isolate, don't assimilate. Babylon actually would later destroy Jerusalem and destroy the temple. So what were they to do? Serve their enemies? Did that make sense? But God had a role for Daniel in Babylon. He wasn't to assimilate or isolate. He wasn't to compromise or retreat. Daniel was to serve. He was to be a servant in the city. And he needed wisdom. He needed wisdom to serve in a culture that goes against how God wants us to live, that seeks to influence the way we think and look at life. He needed wisdom to serve in a culture that decides what is right and what is wrong in its own eyes. So Daniel asked himself, which parts of Babylon can I engage with and which parts of Babylon can I not, will I not engage with? So he had to apply wisdom to several areas of his life. Nebuchadnezzar had a four-point plan for these young men that he had brought in. And this was the four points. He wanted to educate them in Babylonian culture. He wanted to give them a career in Babylonian administration. He wanted to substitute their Jewish name for Babylonian names. And he wanted them to, to adopt the king's rituals, including food and drink. Now, Daniel had to look at each of these and make up his mind, what must I do, and be able to honor God and follow him at the same time. And for Daniel, he said yes to three and no to one. Yes to a Babylonian education. And we see in verse 19 um, that the king talked with them, the four men, Daniel and his three friends, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so he entered the king's service. These guys excelled. They were A1 students, top of their class. They really were. And although that education system included content about false gods, they learned it. We must be equipped and must equip our children and young people to defend our faith and not be removed from society, but to live in society, but understand why we believe what we believe. Daniel excelled in education, but he never compromised his faith. His understanding of the education content he was being told enabled him better defend an argument for his faith in God. He learned all that he had to 
for he didn't believe all that is assumed, but he excelled nonetheless. Daniel said yes to a career in Babylonian administration. He was so good, as were his friends, that they entered the king's service. This might not seem an obvious one to us. How can I serve a king who will one day destroy the city I come from, the temple I worship, who will simply seek to destroy the faith that I have? And God had condemned the Babylonians, and Daniel would have known that, even in a government opposed to God and God's ways. We can serve God for his greater purposes. God wants us there to be different, to be a light on a hill for him. And we should strive to be the best we can in all we do for his glory. So when we work, we work for his glory and for his honor. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, we read these lovely verses about Daniel. And there's so many descriptions of his character reflecting his faith in God. But in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, um, when Daniel, just before he was sent to the lion's den, and the officials were trying to find fault in him so they could accuse him, this is what we read um, in chapter 6, verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs and his work, but they were unable to do so. They, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor ne ne negligent. Daniel gave it his all. He worked to honor God in his everyday work. Thirdly, Daniel said yes to substitution of his name with a Babylonian name. And again, it might seem strange. You might say, can't do that. It wasn't easy for Daniel and his friends because in those days, your name defined who you are. It spoke of your character, of where you came from, of what you believed in. The Hebrew names they had reflected the God they served. The name Daniel meant Yahweh, or God is my judge. Hananiah means gift from God, or Yahweh has shown me grace. Mishael means who is like God. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. The Babylonian names reflected Babylonian gods in contrast. Belteshazzar meant Mardek, which was a main Babylonian god, protects life. Shadrach meant command of Aku, the Babylonian god of the moon. Meshach meant who is like Aku, and Abednego meant servant of Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom. Nebuchadnezzar wanted their names and their god to be forgotten. But they didn't mind. It was as if they said, what you name me, as if Daniel said, what you name me doesn't define me because I know who my God is. They were following what Jeremiah said later in Jeremiah 29, verse 5, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Make a positive difference for your God in a culture that doesn't know your God. That's the message Jeremiah had for the people. And the message God gives to us this morning as we live out our lives in Limerick or wherever we're from. But Daniel said no to adoption of the king's riches of food and drink. Now, this might seem strange to us. You might say, of those four choices, why the food? I mean, goodness, the food seems to be pretty small compared to the other ones. Um, 
but he said no. Maybe it was that the food of his own Jewish food laws, this would have been food probably offered to idols. Maybe Daniel uh, couldn't eat it because of that. Maybe it was a symbol of allegiance to idols. The Bible doesn't tell us why Daniel said no to the food. Now, if I was there, this one would not have suited me at all because if it had involved cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, uh, or any of those kind of things, I was goosed. I couldn't touch them with a 40-foot pole, so I'd have starved, and I'm glad it wasn't me. But that's the point. The Bible doesn't tell us why Daniel said no because there are many gray areas in living in two ages at the same time for each of us as individuals because our lives are different and what we face is different. Should I say no to this or yes to that? Should I go out with the office party or not? Should I wear rainbow colors for colors day at school or college or work when I, I do affirm and respect equality for all people, but not everything that the rainbow colors stand for? Wants to be part of those we work with or our classmates, but wanting to honor God at the same time. Two parallel ages at the same time. Three yeses and one no for Daniel. Maybe you would have eaten the food, but not taken the career in administration. Maybe you would not have done any of them. Or said two to yes, or said yes to two and no to two. The point is, it's different for all of us. And that's why we need to seek God's wisdom as we navigate these choices in life, uh, as we live for God in this present age. And personal conscience plays a part as well. We need to seek God. But here's the good news. God answers us and he will guide us and he will lead us in the right decisions for each of us. God honored Daniel's decision and the decision of his friends. They said, give us the 10-day trial. Remember, the guy looking after them said, well, if you start to fade away, my head's on the block. Give us a 10-day trial, vegetables and water, and look at the outcome in verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Now, Elizabeth's going to use that verse the next day. She's cooking some Brussels sprouts. She'll pull that one out, and she'll tell me, look what happened to Daniel when he ate them. He did so much better, and I might have to just stomach it. But you see, it's not always yes, and it's not always no to, this, to the decisions we face. For some of us, we've got to say yes more because we can isolate too much. And for some of us, we've got to say no more because we can assimilate too easily. Small groups are such a help, aren't they? Because in our small groups, we can share those decisions that face us and talk about it and seek God's wisdom and help from close friends together. Where did Daniel get his wisdom from? In verse 9, we read, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Interesting, God had showed. God was giving him wisdom. In verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gave the wisdom. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what Daniel experienced. And he will do the same for this. Why did God give them wisdom? Because of Daniel's desire. This is a lovely verse, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. You see, Daniel 
had made a clear decision. That's the cutoff line for me. I'm not going to defile myself with the food and wine. And he resolved that. And I've no doubt he made that resolution as he prayed those two times a day to God. He knew God, and that was clear in his heart. That was God's instruction. That was God's wisdom to him. Let's resolve to serve God and to serve God in whatever circumstances we face in the decisions we make in relation to those as God leads. Daniel knows where his ultimate allegiance lies. He knows it's not ultimately to the king of Babylon, but to his God. Daniel was determined to serve God and God alone. Let's be determined to serve God and God alone. So in verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. So maybe after all, again, we don't know, but maybe Daniel was saying no to the food. His saying no to the food was more about where the food was coming from than the food itself. Maybe he's saying that if I eat this food, I'm kind of affirming the king's decision. The food is coming from his table. I'm in agreement with the king. Maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the reason he decided he would refuse the king's food. Maybe this decision that Daniel made was to show that he had an allegiance to another king. And we know Daniel never hid that. He prayed in front of his window two times a day. People could see him praying there. Maybe Daniel was saying, you can educate me. You can enroll me in your administration. You can even change my name. But you cannot own me, and my allegiance is to another and a greater king. Let's seek God's wisdom. Just going to put the title, the, the references to four verses that help us. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So knowing God, knowing God is the beginning of wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And what happens? He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's a promise from God. He will give us wisdom. Colossians 2.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, Ephesians 5.15, be careful then. Be careful then. It's a good instruction, isn't it? How you live, not as unwise but wise, so seek wisdom. Be careful to seek wisdom. God's word dwells richly in Daniel's life. We know that. Why would I say that? Daniel 6, verse 10, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. He never forgot the God he worshipped. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Daniel impresses me. He had a very responsible position in the government. Three times a day he took time to pray. And I would say that was every day of his life. Daniel was wise because he feared the Lord. And we can learn from this teenager who resolved in his heart who he would serve. How can we have wisdom? We need to know Jesus. Spend time in his presence. The one who resolved in his heart to become an alien on this planet. So we as aliens on earth could come home. The one who said yes to the education system and training as a carpenter when he was the one who created this world, the one who was rejected for us so that us exiles could be brought home. He said no to compromise by the devil in the desert. He said no to letting us go. He said no to abandoning us to an, a never-ending exile. When we see the incredible love and grace of Jesus, we will want to follow him 
and he will give us wisdom. Make him your king, and you will be wise. Wise to live in this culture, wisdom in school, in college, in work, as a spouse, as parents, as neighbors, as friends. So how can we live in two ages at the same time? Ask God for wisdom. Engage with God. Know Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit that Mike taught us about, who lives in us if we're a follower of Jesus, guide us. Don't just drift along. Prepare. Know your limits. Um, we read, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, this is Paul speaking, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Use Daniel as an example to follow. Ask help from a close Christian friend or from your small group, pastoral care team here in the church or from the elders. But here's what I see from Daniel this morning. We can live two in two ages, honoring God completely right through our lives, not assimilating and not isolating, living as a light for him, serving him by seeking his wisdom, who is always with us through the Holy Spirit.